102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff and Ed Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. Pretty straightforward stuff. 512-834-1027 is the phone number. Use it. That's 512-834-1027. You want to follow me on Twitter or X, whatever it's going to be called this week, do so. I'm at Jeff Ward Show. Please, if you're going to post comments, don't suck. Make the show better if you can. Get straight to the point. So far, you've done pretty well. I'm starting to sense that people are now catching on to try to play along, guess along. There are no prizes handed out. I have to break it to you that way. But I do like the idea that people are trying to play along with... Segment I call Songs That Suck. Uh, here's the history of Songs That Suck and the way it works. I have nothing to do with a committee. I don't know anybody on the committee. I've not met them. We don't discuss anything. I just see their email from their focus group data of terrible songs, songs that they've graded so low that everyone hates. I then cut and paste from their long list of those songs that everyone hates that no one has ever liked no reasonable person would ever think it's good music and then i just cut it and thought you know what these are so bad everybody can relate everyone will hate these songs i call them songs that suck the drinking portion of this is that you will guess the artist you will guess the year and you will guess the song title Normally, we don't have glitches. Garrett, that one's played already, I believe. Is that Asia? And all the years I've done this, that's the first glitch. You're leaving now. Okay. <clears throat> Move on to item number two. Whatever that is on the list from the committee. That was Asia from 82. I can't remember the name of the song now. I don't know. I swear I did it. Am I right that it did play earlier? <laughs> Was that my lack of sleep and it's uh, all running together? Happens sometimes. Uh, it's uh, None of it is my fault whatsoever. That's for sure. All right. Give me the thumbs up when you're ready for the next committee selection on songs that suck. Year, title, and artist. It's a real thing. I'm confused. It's a real thing. I forgot about this. It was a real song done by a fairly credible artist. Anyway, he goes, are you into Asinam? I go, oh, right. Could you, like, just picture me in, a, like, a leather teddy? Yeah, right. Hurt me, hurt me. I'm sure, no way. <laughs> he was, like, freaking me out. He called me a beastie. That's his, like, he's totally blitzed. He goes, like, that's <laughs> I'm sure. I know. I, 
Okay, um, that is Frank Zappa. <clears throat> and the song is Valley Girl. There was a movie, Valley Girl. Huge hit that's still popular to this day came from the movie Valley Girl, which I believe starred Nicolas Cage. The song was done by Modern English. It still, people play it all the time. Not this one. This was about 1980. One, two, or three. 82. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, now somebody listening can educate. I don't think this was, was this in Valley Girl? Like, my mother's like a So, what's amazing is, can I make an observation for you? The lang- the, the this is spoofing Valley Girls. Valley Girls was, you know, became a movie to, uh, what was her name? Uh, Alicia Silverstone did a, whatever it was called, such a big hit. Um, the language is back. Those terms are back. I can tell you. It's you can hear that sound, and if you have daughters, it's happening again. It's not quite that extreme. And no one ever says "gag me with a spoon" anymore. But a lot of it's back. It's like everything preppy. Preppy, by the way, I just learned this last night. Preppy isn't what we think is preppy. Preppy is now Barbie preppy. It's fun. It's perky. It's cool. It's pink. Preppy to us was a look. Now it is like this. It is still kind of a look, but it's a Barbie theme. That's my 10-minute education last night on this stuff. So, yeah, that was a that was a real song. I, I don't even know if I could say it's a hit. I, I'm not much up on Frank Zappa. I know a lot of people respect Frank Zappa. Interesting dude. I, I assume the song was a spoof. I, I think it did well. I think it might have done better than anything Frank Zappa had done. But it's real. Yeah. It's it's uh it's not a it's not a fake song. It's not weird owl songs. It's the real thing. Hey, let's talk about rage. How's that for a setup? Let's talk about rage. Who's raging? Why everyone is raging? A new study says we are out more outraged than ever. I don't this is for everyone here. I mean, we got we got to take a look at ourselves here. That's what that's what I think this is doing, and I think that's fine. And there's this site that I go to often, it's called Study Finds, and it just compiles all this quirky data, mostly on politics, but stuff like this too, which is kind of good talk show material. Okay, uh, the headline, just so you can start to ask yourself these questions, because I think the answer is going to be yes, and I'm going to disagree, I think. It says, is everyone angry? Toxic outrage culture consuming society like never before. One, do you agree with that? I didn't say violent. I said toxic. We know what this is talking about, right? You do know. Toxic outrage culture consuming society like never before. One, do you agree with it? Two, if you agree with it, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? And you have to ask yourself, are you more outraged than ever? I disagree with both. To a degree. I do think there's a twist to this. I do. I mean, I think, I th- yeah, yeah. I think you. we sound like we're more outraged than ever before. But I think there's a reason for that. I'm not quite sure I completely believe it. Not completely. Now, the twist to this is um, 
You know what? I feel like some of my wardisms are coming back and they're working better than ever. Uh, wardisms, I didn't know what they were. I had no idea. I was saying them at the time. These phrases that I would use periodically still do it, I guess. And then um, it, it made everyone mad when I would say it because it was a criticism of us. But I think they're kind of working. I feel like two of them are working better than ever before, and one of them works perfectly with the outrage study. All right? And the two, two that I think are absolutely true to this day that I'm going to take full credit for, that if you want to use any one of them, you go right ahead. But I think they fit more than ever before. The first one is, the wardism is, and I, I can't remember the first time I said it, it just came out of my mouth. You don't vote in favor of something. You vote against someone. I bet I said it 10 years ago. Out of the blue. You don't vote in favor of something. You vote against someone. And what that really means, if you don't get it on the front end, think about today. Even if it's a beneficial policy, if I were to sit down a group of people and say, here is a policy that would directly benefit them. It means less to them than hating the other side. You don't vote in favor of something. You vote against someone. Okay, now the rage part. Here's what I think the rage is. This is what I think it is. And this is a brutal criticism of all of us. Okay? I think it follows this study pretty closely. Hating is easy. Thinking is hard. Our default position is to just get pissed. Our default position is not to think things through. Our default position is to just get pissed. Hating is easy. Thinking is hard. All right, here's what it says. Uh, first of all, the title pretty much tells you everything. Is everyone angry? Toxic outrage culture consuming society like never before. Modern outrage culture, which is also known as, didn't know this, call-out culture, is linked to cancel culture, often devolves into a toxic spiral. People wanting clout compete to produce the meanest and most over-the-top commentary, stifling open dialogue and demonizing those who make mistakes. By the way, for full disclosure, I come from the hate industry anyway, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that talk, talk radio was the epicenter of hate, but certainly started some of the fires, no doubt about it. And plenty of outrage, no doubt. The technical innovations of the internet, smartphones, and social media have now enabled communal outrage on a global scale. Multiple societies can be affected at once. Example given, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard defamation trial is an example of where, regardless of how you feel about the case, it's hard to deny the discourse turned toxic. The collective moral outrage that drives such negativity spirals has parallels. This should make us all very proud. You ready for the parallel? Of today's toxic culture to the 1690s Salem witch trials. <laughs> uh... Okay. I, I'm going to push back a little on that. I mean, I, well, look, we got issues, and people are mean. But I don't think too many of you are burning anybody in the streets and cheering it on. Not yet. Wow, that hurts. Okay, that's what the psychologists say. Uh, this part is true. This is where I think um, we're, we're lost in the noise, where I do think the outrage sounds bigger than it really is. 
It's called social modeling. It dictates that if many others are piling on with negative comments, it can make it seem okay for us to do so too. And the more exposed we are to one-sided discourse, this is a giant problem. Giant problem. One-sided discourse, the more likely we are to resist alternative viewpoints. This is called groupthink. We aren't just groupthink. We are in freaking quicksand of groupthink. We are... (laughs) We are vomiting groupthink. We have no thoughts on our own anymore. That would be my collective criticism. Social media algorithms are generally set up to feed us more of what we previously clicked on, which further contributes to the one-sidedness of our online experience. Scholars have suggested algorithms can prioritize certain posts in a way that shapes the overall nature of commentary, essentially fueling the flames of negativity. All that's true. I mean, and I think at some level we are slightly victimized by a world of algorithms, and we've sort of let ourselves fall right into it. Um, we're getting super served what makes us mad. It's true. I mean, that's just true. I don't blame social media companies just for that. I blame us more, but I also can understand why we'd fall for that. So, okay, everyone is entitled to have a raging opinion about our rage. Go ahead. Um, Here's mine. I'm always going to find some nuance to it. Um, It's easy. It's a clickbait world with clickbait responses. My criticism of us is that we fall into the algorithm. We fall prey to just getting pissed because it's easy to get pissed because I think we have such little depth. There's no real room for nuance. We don't even think in terms of nuance anymore. We don't really try to split something up and try to figure it out anymore. We just go, give me that clickbait and I'll freak out on it. Um... And I come from the rage industry. And I come from an industry that sells on everything is absolutely black and white. The reality is few things are black and white, but that takes time and thought. And I think we seem to hate both things. We'd rather just get pissed. Um, I think we're intellectually lazy. Partly our own fault. Like I've, oh, here's another wordism that I think is more true than ever. Um, Media is like fast food. We abuse it and don't know how to use it. And I think, yes, it's our fault, but I don't think we deserve all the blame. I mean, anything easy is going to be a habit. Staying in your own media echo chamber and getting mad becomes a habit. Too many cheeseburgers is easy and becomes a habit. So we we deserve a a little bit of, I think, some grace there. But... It's true. I mean, I think it's very true. So I think we're intellectually lazy because we can be. Right? Remember, hating is easy. Thinking is hard. Take some time. Take some work. Nobody really wants to go online and work at it. You want to go online and get pissed at it. The other part, though, I, I don't... I mean, I always push back on this. I'm not sure that I buy that we're all more outraged than ever. I just think it feels and sounds like we're more outraged than ever because there's more ways to be heard than ever. Right? I mean, I think we always have to take stuff about media and social media with a grain of salt because I think it sounds bigger than it really is. Five people, if you get stuck in that land of that echo chamber, five people can sound like five million. It can sound like, oh my gosh, everyone's pissed. No, five raging people are pissed. 
but in that media echo chamber, it feels giant. It's sort of like the equivalent of in the old days in talk shows. You could take 10 calls and go, oh my God, the entire city is freaking out about this. It's 10 out of a million. But it's easy to hear the noise and think that it's bigger than it really is. I see this with companies a lot. They really pivot and freak out too quickly on a social media post or reaction without even taking the context of that's .0001% of your customer base. But they're really mad and loud. Yeah, they're loud. Not that many of them. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I may cut us a little bit of slack, even though I don't know that we deserve it too often, that I'm not sure that we're as outraged as it sounds, right? It's just easy to do. Very easy to do. Raging on social media is like a natural reflex now. <laughs> That's what sucks for all of us. Don't, don't, don't pawn it off on young people. I mean, adults are just as bad, if not worse. But it's a natural reflex. But I'm not sure it's as big as it is loud, if that makes sense. It sounds like a lot of noise, but it's really just a few people making some raging noise. And then if you end up in that echo chamber, you're going to get caught up in how loud it is, and you're going to start doing it too. Okay, Ward, what are we doing about this? I have no idea. I have no answer for you. I got none. Um, <clears throat> I think we're dumber because we can be. We're lazier because we can be. But we're not quite, in my opinion, as raging as they're suggesting we are this day. And I don't buy, we're slightly tricked by algorithms, but we're not completely duped by algorithms. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements, afternoons 4 to 6 on 1027 ESPN. Red songs that suck, named the artist, the year, and the song the title. We are young. <laughs> Benatar, who's still probably touring, and Love is a Battlefield. Remember the opening scene of Fast Times at Richmond High? Brad is pulling into a parking space, and every girl that walked by looks like Pat Benatar. Isn't she married to, still married, I mean, it's a long marriage, to her drummer? They've been together forever. Alright, Love is a Battlefield, Pat Benatar. I got that part right, correct? Um, it's really a bad song. Uh, 85. 83. I wonder if I saw her in concert. Probably. 
That's unfortunate, Pat. I'm sorry you made the list, but it had to be done. Uh, here we go. At T3 Monahan on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week. That's at Jeff Ward Show if you have comments playing the game along with us. Um, at T3 Monahan says, Don't forget Frank's daughter on Valley Girl, Moon Unit Zappa. And that was her name. Moon Unit. Is that her? I forgot about that. Uh, this is at Davenport 10 says, Jeff, you can stop now. You'll never find a song that sucks worse than Valley Girl. Yeah. Garrett agrees. Like, he's new to all this. And even he sensed that's next level stuff there. It hurt my face. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. That was bad. <sighs> I think it was a hit. How? I, I know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think her and that it was saying, gag me with a spoon. It was, it was basically, it was the first time somebody like compiled all the Valley Girl sayings and put them into a song and just, I don't know, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was really unbelievable. I think he was trying. Uh, at John Hawk says, Valley Girl, comma, Frank Zappa, 82. Um, yes, correct. Okay, I'm sick of the NFL talking about gambling. Um, th- th- this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with a solution right now. This is very easy. It'll be end of, end of story. We got this figured out. Thank you. Let's all move on now because the fight is getting ridiculous between players and whatever gambling policy exists. Um, first of all, the NFL is bigger than ever. I would argue largely because of gambling. It's more popular than ever because of gambling. Legalized gambling. The Supreme Court said it's a state's issue a few years ago, and states not run by backward-thinking hypocrites like ours went all in. state of Texas, of course, with the greatest collection of moralists in the world, has said no way. But I think you can make a pretty good argument that the NFL is more popular, more successful because of gambling, legal gambling, and embracing legal gambling. The NFL has been smart in embracing gambling. But the players are saying, we have no idea what the rules are. And now I suspect they're really pushing back now because it came out recently, talked about on the show a few days ago, that owners can have equity in gambling companies and not have to disclose what kind of equity they have in gambling. Which I think if you're going to find a dangerous proposition, a dangerous setup, that one's pretty dangerous. A player betting 500 bucks is not dangerous. Legally, betting 500 bucks, illegal anything, is scary. That's when you get organized crime involved. Legalized gambling is as above board as anything. So, this is just absurd. I mean, the fact that players were suspended at the beginning of this year, I think was... A flare sent out by the NFL. I don't think they want to bust a star player, even though Calvin Ridley got it. But Calvin Ridley got in trouble while he was injured for a year. Okay? He was lying in bed betting on his phone. So there's a simple solution. Agree or disagree with me. I'm happy to argue this. So now the NFL players are saying publicly, we don't really even know what the rules are. I mean, it was a rule the NFL put down when the Super Bowl was in Vegas. They couldn't even walk into, any player could not walk into a casino, which is impossible if you're in a hotel. 
What's the point? The owners can have stakes in the companies, and nobody knows what they are, but a player can't even walk by and get a, a beer. Uh, now Falcons defensive end Calais Campbell, who's a pretty solid player, a really good player, and a meaningful player in professional football. He says, I feel like these rules are outdated. There was a time when some of these rules made sense. But now with technology and being able to bet on baseball or basketball on your phone, I don't understand why we have these rules because I'm in a locker room or on a Wednesday or whatever that I can't pick up my phone and bet. I mean, for him even going here, now he's a really, really good player who can probably get away with more. And I think there's a, draw, there's a distinction here with the NFL. They don't want a superstar player. They don't want to hammer a superstar player. Because they're, right, they're walking this fine line of embracing gambling and then pretending that they don't want players involved in it, which I think is just BS. I do. And I think it's great that he's saying this. And what he's saying is, I don't really know what your rules are, and I don't even get why we have them. I go to work every day. I have downtime. I sit in the training room. I sit in the, in the weight room. Who cares if I bet on a basketball game? Who cares? Let me ask all of you, do you really care? The answer is going to be no. Why should the NFL care? It's legal and above board. No mobster is coming after an NFL player for a $500 bet. Because you know what? You lose, they collect. You win, you collect. So he says this. Nobody, nobody wants to have a guy betting on football. That's not okay. But you know, with technology, um, with technology, the way it is, you can tell exactly what people are betting on, and you know it has nothing to do with the integrity of the game, so why not give us the opportunity to be able to make money when we're doing that as a league? Yes. Well said. He's exactly right. Um, look, um, here's, a, here's a simple solution right now to... Because they're, they're all over the map on what their policy is. You can bet here, but you can't bet there. And I mean literally where you are physically. So you can't be in your locker room making a bet, but you could be at your house out of season making a bet. So let's just make it simple for everyone. And no one, the public is not going to care. The public is not believing football games are thrown because of betting. The public doesn't believe that. Just make a rule. You can't bet on the NFL. Period. End of story. Anywhere. Anytime. You guys agree to that? Yeah? Okay. You can't bet on the NFL anytime. Any place. You can bet on anything else. That's it. I think we'll end up changing that rule too. I would say give us a year or two. We'll probably back off that. But if we want to make it simple right now, Calais Campbell, who does matter, and nobody in their right mind wants that guy suspended... Nobody wants a famous player suspended, so let's please make this clear so we don't all walk ourselves into trouble. I mean, because it's not going to take long for a smart guy to say, you know, I just read where the owners have stake in gambling companies. We don't even know how much they own, and you're worried about us? You're worried about us. They're worried about their stock, and you're worried about us where we're sitting. So you do this. You just say, and I don't even think this really matters, and in no point do I think the public should be worried, even if a player were betting on football, that a game is being compromised. 
But you tell the players, if the NFL wanted to make it simple, you tell the players you do not bet on the NFL anytime, anyplace, anywhere. It's against the rules. First offense, here's the punishment. Second offense, here's the punishment. Third offense, here's the punishment. That's it, guys. Got it? Raise your hand. Okay. Can I bet on a basketball game? Yes. You're not allowed to bet on the NFL anytime, anyplace, anywhere. End of story for this year. That's it. We'll revisit it in a couple years. There. There. I would if I, I would also, if I wanted to, or they won't do it, I would say the same thing for an owner. Just to be full transparency, the players should demand that too. But that's it. That's all you have to do. Not one of you listening right now, I, I don't believe, is worried that an NFL player who's betting on rushing yards on the Super Bowl is going to throw a game. They're not. They're not blowing a $2 million a year career over a $2,000 bet. They're not. It's legal, except for in this draconian state. All right, on Twitter X, it's at Jeff Ward Show. Phone number is 512-834-1027. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements. Afternoons 4 to 6 on 1027 ESPN. unfortunate very I don't say that often about songs that suck I'm usually very happy to pile on but my god no not okay I I don't think there's been a better artist that has made songs that suck than David Bowie but nope it's all. It's not okay. Name the year, artist, and song title. Hey, it's not the worst. It's bad enough. Uh, David Bowie, Let's Dance. Boy, year. It's a weird one. Huh. It feels like it's been around forever. It's been popular forever. And I hate that part. Stop it. <laughs> a lot of people like it. There's going to be blowback. There's going to be blowback. I'm sorry. When the committee speaks, it's final. I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I can tell you did. You're over there jamming away. I'm sorry. When the committee speaks, it's over. There's no pushback. There's no change. No mulligans. Can't call anybody. Can't call them up. Hey, not fair. Oh, uh, gosh. I'm going to say 1986. 83. I believe... Almost every song today yeah. <laughs> from 1983, of which I should know very well. Very well. Oh, no, it's bad. It just is, everyone. It is. It is. Except Garrett likes it. He gets an excuse. He hasn't heard it for 25 years. The rest of us have lived with it. We've grown up with it. We've learned to sort of tolerate it. 
But then we get sick of it. Garrett's it's his first time to ever hear that song, and he thinks it's the best thing he's ever heard. He's all perky over there, bopping his head. He's downloading it right now. He might even be downloading Valley Girl for all I know. No. No, 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 You know no, what's no, amazing? No. I got to say, the reaction to Valley Girl is as strong as any of anything that's been played. Is it positive or negative? Oh, no, no. It's all... Okay. Not one person has said... Oh, come on, man. That's kind of cool. No, everyone has said that's shockingly bad. I just, I, I don't remember. I, I'm with a lot of you. Uh, here we go. At Rebel Chuck 18 says, Jeff, you have outdone yourself. That Frank Zappa song is not only the worst song you've ever played, it's the worst song I've ever heard. And I can cut and paste that exact same reaction. You know, I'm trying to think for most of us, we probably have heard that song, you know, it's a long time ago. It's never been replayed. I mean, you never hear that song again. It's not fun. I mean, is it the worst song ever? I'm starting to wonder now. Did we stumble into the worst song ever made? I think it's actually debatable. I believe Mr. Roboto by Styx is the worst song ever made. My calculus is, do I really feel like jamming a knife into my thigh? Repeatedly. I hear Mr. Roboto, and I'm stabbing my thigh repeatedly. Okay? I don't know how all of you want to do your qualifications. The song, We Built This City by Starship is rated by most critics as the worst song ever made. I find, now, I do stick my, I do jab a knife into my thigh on that one. I don't jab it into my thigh as many times as Mr. Roboto. So you know what we're going to do? I'm going to be very irresponsible. I would like all of you to get something sharp. Okay? <laughs> and I would like you to, I don't care if you're driving, I would like you to have something sharp and let's do. Let's just figure it out. I'm going to take something sharp. Garrett, you can get something. What are you doing? Why? No, because this is the only way to tell. All right. So uh, go back to Valley Girl. And all of us together, count the number of times you stab your thigh. I don't care about the depth of the stabbing. I don't care if it's a slice. Just how many times you feel like I want to hurt my thigh. All right, this could take a little bit, so um, I know, I know there's going to be some issues with the talk show hosts telling the audience to stab themselves. <laughs> that could be, uh, I might have to, you know, probably answer something, but I did say your thigh. I don't think this should kill you. Begin. Is it hurting yet? Any blood. Like, oh my god! Girl. Like, totally. And Tino's like, so bitchin'. There's like, the Galleria. And like, all these like, really great shoe stores. I like, love going into like, clothing stores and stuff. I like, buy the neatest mini skirts. How many stabs like, so do any of you have? Like, everybody's like, dude. I've got seven. Like, seven for Garrett, so nice. I'm going to guess the average is going to be 12 stabs. 
That line is unbelievable. And I'm like, oh, right. Could you, like, just picture me in, a, like, a leather teddy? Yeah, right. Hurt me, hurt me. I'm sure, no way. It was, like, freaking me out. He called me a beastie. That was, like, just totally blitzed. He goes, like, bag your face, I'm sure. <laughs> Up. How many? I'm going to be honest. I have fewer thigh stabbings to this than Mr. Robotic. But that's just me. It's art. We're just talking about art here. No right or wrong answers. The fact is, you should be wanting and or stabbing your own thighs. These tweets. Oh. All right, here we go. Here's what people have done. This is the. I mean, this says it all. Like we all gotta go home now. Could get dangerous after this. Uh, at Texas Hardball. Okay, no thigh left. <laughs> That's good. Uh, the follow-up, at Texas Hardball. I have to agree. First bad song played that has been dead wrong. It's David freaking Bo. I know. I know. I've owned that it feels uncomfortable, but sometimes art has to go to uncomfortable places. And songs that suck knows no boundaries. It has no feelings. It knows no monetary policy. It's just the data. And the data said, even though it's David Bowie. Look, Stevie Wonder's made it. Stevie Wonder made it. David Bowie made it. Elton John has made it. Uh, I don't know about anybody else good, but I mean, it's, you know, if you're good, bad, bad art has got to be called out as bad art. I'm sorry it had to happen that way today. That's why we wanted to finish with stabbing your own thigh with Valley Girl, because I thought that may temper some of the anger about me putting David Bowie on the list. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements, afternoons 4 to 6 on 1027 ESPN.